Hello everyone, this is Chris with the Board Game Players. I hope you guys are all doing well. We got quite a strange assortment on this year's show of games to talk about. But before we talk about our random assortment of games, of course I'm joined by Pace and Elvis. How you guys doing? Well, you know. Is that you opening some candy right now? Yeah, it's a throat lozenge. What throat lozenge? <laughs> what? So you people more of those so people can hear me better. Anyway, so um, it's actually a, a huckleberry candy from. Um, I really don't really don't care. Oh, Idaho, Idaho. Yeah, I looked up today what Cordelain means. I, I looked it up while I was there. Well, I looked it up today, kind of weirdly. Now you're talking with like. A <laughs> it was the was the heart American of the heart of the all. Heart of the all. That's A W L. Well, believe it or not, this is not a show about Idaho. This is a show about board games. Um, although, Pace, I'm sure you can say more about Idaho than you can say probably about any of the games on our list. So first, uh, we'll start with... Uh, actually, this is a hot game right now. Oath! We're, we're on top of trends, people. Not really. I'd say we're, like, not on top, but not below. On par? We're on par with trends. Middling. <laughs> Middling, yeah. So... Currently uh, on Board Game Geek's top ten hot... Games being played right now. What's it ranked at? Number seven. Oh, it's seven on hotness right now. On hotness. It's oh. 772nd overall. That's good, though. Yes. Is it? Yes. Okay. Keep in mind, this is over, like, out of... Oath came out this year, and this is out over... It's already at 700-something. 136th overall in thematic games. Yeah. Dang. Not bad. So, anyway, Oath, designed by... Cole Worley. Yes, uh, it's a very interesting game. He's also known for Root, which was also very popular as well, but Oath just came out this year. So you have, basically, you have one person who's the chancellor of a kingdom, and you have the other people who are basically exiles of this kingdom. And each of the exiles are trying to accomplish either a hidden goal, which is, and there's, I think, four exile goals hidden in a card deck, or the chancellor's trying to basically maintain power. And the Chancellor can maintain power a number of different ways, depending on how the game's set up. If you're playing your first game, uh, the Chancellor will maintain power by controlling the most sites. But I will say that there's many ways to win this game. And I think every time we've played this game, the Chancellor has lost. Because <laughs> basically, when someone's the exile and they win, they become the new Chancellor. So the next game that you play... The person who won last time is the new chancellor. And what's kind of cool is it's kind of a legacy system where whatever was controlled by the winner goes into the next game. And then they become the new chancellor. So there's many ways to win it. And the name Oath comes from Oath Keeper, meaning that the person who's the chancellor is keeping the oath and maintaining power. But again, one of those exiles can take power away. So it's meant to be played with sort of the same group of people? Ideally, yeah, because it is kind of a high barrier to teach, I would say. I mean, I don't think I got it really down. It was hard to learn. It was right. it was actually markedly hard to learn. And then, like, it doesn't really seem intuitive. Right. Very either. Compared to other games. Compared to other games. Right. So it has, like, a pretty large barrier to entry. Right. I mean, it's the same with it's the same with Root as well. Like he's kind of going against the grain with his game design. Like if I'm attacking, I have a certain way in my head how I want that attack to go. Right? I'm gonna roll these dice. They roll that. But in Oath, not only can you attack someone else, but you can attack them for their stuff. 
you can attack the site that they own, you just want the site, because all these are different ways of winning depending on what your goal may be as an exile. Like your goal as an exile may be, I want this item, or your goal as an exile may be, I want to control the most sites, or your goal as an exile may be, I want this other item. And even, yeah. like, even kind of like the rules of the game are sort of dynamic based on the cards that are on the, Correct. On the board. Yeah, so the rules are constantly changing because Pace, like, the cards that everyone is searching through, you have this kingdom, and it's the, what's cool about the board, it's actually on this like rollout neoprene mat. It's not a cardboard board. Yeah. And it rolls out. So when people are exploring the, the lands and exploring these sites, you're going to have different cards. And all these cards change the rules or give you more access to things in, in certain ways. So what is kind of counterintuitive, but once you get it down, you got it down, is you have to kind of follow the rules exactly as written, as counterintuitive as that may be. And then once you learn to do that and kind of tweak your brain a little bit to follow the rules, it can be a fun experience. Well, that seems desirable if it's meant to be replayed. Yeah, and then over and over. What you would yeah. like, what you would like about that pace is the winner. It comes with a little book, a bound book, yeah. where like you can write your exploits, the details of your exploits, and, oh, you know, Lord Pace lost due to losing the people's favor, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you can, like, keep a record of your world and the way, like, it's changed hands with the different chancellors and stuff. And the components, of course, are beautiful. The art is beautiful. It was the same team-up, like I said, with Root. Art and that's really beautiful as well. What, what do you think about this game? I think we kind of got on good. a bit about it. Uh, but, I think it yeah. was a good point. Uh, yeah. Pace kind of touched on about the, the replayability of it. Yeah, but it's like a game that like you could play a lot of times, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a completely bit, different. It's going to be a little yeah. bit different every time. Yeah, so it's a little bit hard to learn, but once you got it, it's potentially pretty fun. What about like what was the game that you we we did the last game where we all were basically a turn away from winning? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty. Yeah. That, that was, was a, pretty tense. That was like, a pretty interesting. It basically setup. just came down to turn like or turn order. Yeah, because we all <laughs> basically said to wait until like our came back to our turn, and we all I think at least three of the four of us that were playing could have won. Right. Yeah, so that was pretty exciting. So anyway, that's Oath. I recommend it. All right. Next game we'll be talking about is Dune. We played that same night. I think Elvis is Oath, incidentally. Yeah. Dune is a classic, classic game. I mean, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast knows what Dune is and who wrote Dune. Also uh, worth mentioning that Frank Herbert has a Tacoma connection. Yes, where we're broadcasting now, we have uh, McMinimins, which is kind of a well-known chain here in the Pacific Northwest, about two blocks down that has a room. You can stay in a room named after Frank Herbert. When did the original, you don't know if you have it up there, Pace, but the original Dune board game, I think it's older than us. It came out in, I think, 19, right around maybe the first movie. At any rate, the publisher, uh, Gale Force 9, finally came out with an update to Dune, kept most of the original design. 1979. Oh, sorry. 79 is the original. Wow. Dune. And who designed that? I believe it was Bill... Everell, Jack Kittredge, and Peter Olafka. Yes. Anyway, very asymmetrical game. You can play as factions from, you know, classic Dune. You have the uh, Spacing Guild. You have the Evil Harkonnens. You have the Atreides. You have the Bene Gesserits. Basically, each faction plays completely differently. But ultimately, the way to win is to own a certain amount of strongholds on the board. And if you own that uh, many strongholds, I believe it's four strongholds, assuming you're not in alliance with somebody. You own four strongholds, you win the game. 
this is definitely a war game, you would say, right? Yeah. And the way a turn works is we're all on the planet Arrakis, and we're all trying to get spice. And, of course, you can't do anything without spice. So spice, you get cards with spice. There's an auction phase where everyone's trying to get cards, and then you can use those cards to help you fight each other on the planet. And then on the planet, battle's kind of interesting. Each You have two people fighting, and each battle, they each hold a battle disc, and depending on how many units you have on your territory, you can devote that many units up to that many units to fight. So Pace, like let's say you had five units on one territory and I had five units on another, mm. we both can like click all the way up to five, but neither of us know how many we're dedicating to that battle. Also, we can dedicate a, a leader to that battle who has a different value as well. So you don't know what the other person is committing to their battles. And then you compare the values, one person's dead and or vaporized, and then they go into the Telexu tanks and you can maybe get them back, your leaders, anyone dies. But regardless if you're attacking or defending, whatever you dedicate to the battle, they're dead. Mm. So it makes a really interesting mechanic. So you can basically get pretty far down if you, t if you take the wrong shot, so to speak. Um, and all of the characters and all the factions have their own special abilities. They all have their own economy. So like the Spacing Guild, for example, if they move anyone, any of their troops on the planet at like a cheaper price. And all the other factions, if they move any of their factions from one territory to another, and they pay, they pay the Spacing Guild. So the Spacing Guild is constantly getting money when people move people around the planets. Mm -hmm. And the Emperor gets money during auction phase. So if anyone buys anything during auction, all that money goes to the Emperor. So all these people have their own ways of kind of getting spice. They're, yeah. I would say... The spice sp must flow. Yes. Well, definitely. In the book, in the movie, and in this game. Because if you don't have spice, you can't really do anything. The, the Benny Jesserit are fun because they can predict who they think will win by what round. And if they're correct, then they actually win. The Fremen, they know where the spice is going to be deployed before anyone else on the planet. There'll be random spice drops. Mm. Atreides can take notes over who has what cards during auctions to kind of symbolize their telepathy abilities okay. or Paul's telepathy abilities, I would say. And so it's really cool because all the characters and factions play completely differently. So I don't know. It's one of my favorite games, actually. But what do you have to say about it, Elvis? Um, it was fun. <laughs> he basically ran through everything. I don't know what else I could add. <laughs> Feelings. Well, you can add something. Maybe you can. Um, you can do make you feel. Maybe I'll say some cons. Some cons of the game. What, what don't um, you like about Dune? Does the spice not flow well enough? That could actually that is a thing. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> if you don't have the spice, you're like kind of you feel kind of shackled. Really, there can be kind of a runaway leader problem in the game. I think if you're not careful. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Seems like the spacing guild. Spacing guild, little op maybe. You think with the movement? Because I feel like the movement's really important in the game. Uh -huh. Being able to move because he's moving painfully slow. It feels like right. Yeah. What did you say a little what? Overpowered. Op. Oh, is that in your street You never heard op? Mm -mm. Video games. <laughs> Maybe it's from gaming. Gaming, oh, really? Gosh. Yeah. Overpowered. Video games, yeah. Op. Yeah. All right. But yeah. Maybe not. But I've only played the game one time. So. <laughs> I, in our game, did I win? Who won that? You guys won that. I don't even know. We won lost. That game. We lost. Did I win, win the game? It was you was and you and the Spacer Guild. Crane. I thought you... Oh, you're right, because you teamed up with Jared. Yeah. He was Harkonnen, I think. You guys yeah. form teams? You can. There's yeah. a certain cards that come out. Mm. 
at certain periods of times that let you form an alliance if you want. The benefit of forming an alliance is you get some of the powers mm -hmm. that your partner has, mm -hmm. and you only have to control, uh, actually you'll have to control four strongholds if you have an alliance, I think I said that wrong before, three strongholds if you're alone. So, yeah. It's one thing about Dune though, it's a pretty wacky game. If you go on the forums, I mean, it's been around forever and there's some hardcore fans of it. They they're probably going to be up my ass for saying <laughs> that one faction was OP. Everyone perfectly says perfectly balanced, blah blah. No, no, blah. no. I don't think anyone says it's perfectly balanced. I think a lot of people think the Benny Jesserit are overpowered. A lot of people think Harkonnen's overpowered because they get so many traitor cards, they can manipulate so many fights. A lot of people think the Emperor is overpowered because they get all that money from auctions. Yeah. So I don't think you'll really have anyone who will say this game is necessarily balanced. I think, but you'll have a lot of people that'll say that X character or X faction is overpowered. So maybe that in it of itself will say it's a balanced game if everyone's complaining. They're all that. overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So the next game we're going to be talking about is Bootleggers. That's an old favorite. Who designed Bootleggers, Pace? So you have that uh, designers are Don Bayer, Ray Eifler, and Steve Gross. Awesome. A titan of the industry. Steve. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, this Three to six this, players, takes 90 minutes, give or take, 14 up. This came out in 2004, which... Wow. Um, if you're keeping track of how time flies, that was 17 years ago. Almost like, I think, when our last podcast came out. Uh... <laughs> Um, so this is a game where everyone is mobsters and uh, prohibition and speakeasies and distilleries, jazz and liquor, etc. And everyone, jazz and liquor. everyone is kind of vying to control these speakeasies. Uh, it's got a, a one thousand five hundred sixty-six ranking on board game. Beat. That's not bad. Undeserved. Right. I think it should be a bit higher. Yeah, I agree. It's one of my favorite games. Is it? Yeah. I would play it more. The problem is it takes three players. Right. So yeah. uh, Even with three, it's not even that Yeah. great, I would say. Four is ideal. Four plus. Four plus. Four plus, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to get once, to the table. I mean, once my it... kids are older, I guess they can play it on the reg. But... Yeah, you and Kim can't play. Can't play. <laughs> Bootleggers. Why don't you tell us about Bootleggers, Elvis, since it's, it's one of your favorite games. It's been since I played it. I mean, it's just like a great game. It's good. It's uh, simple enough. What kind of mechanics are involved? Easy. In the it's game? A, mostly like a uh, economy resource sort of management sort of game. There's different speakeasies you can get uh, that have different sort of production levels, right? But they in, in turn also have different costs, right? Uh, you need to be able to move your booze by buying trucks, so you need to come with a balance of getting booze, buying trucks. You can make deals to move other people's booze on your trucks. Yep. That's and everyone right. can be like certain amount of owners depending on the speakeasy right right they have like equal owners and majority owners and obviously if you're like the majority owner of the speakeasy you're going to get the revenue the majority of that revenue you got to kick a couple points up to everyone else though right and it comes with little cute trucks little plastic trucks and little kind of uh standard little board gaming any gamer knows those little standard kind of brown cubes that fit on the back of trucks yeah um, it's a cute game. I, I, I wouldn't say that the components are spectacular, but you don't necessarily need great components for a game like this. This game's kind of more about, I, I tend to like games with a lot of player interaction. I don't like games that a lot of people are kind of playing their own solitaire games, if that makes any sense. Mm. 
so you're constantly like making deals. It's like, God, does anyone have a truck I can use so I can move my booze? Because uh, if they don't have the extra truck, they can't move their booze. They're not getting extra revenue. It's like, well, I got a truck I can loan you for whatever. Yep. So that's all fun. I, I tend to like negotiation games like that. And then, of course, you have Treasury Department or Chicago Police Department, whoever law yeah, enforcement is who can bring the hatchet down on you, on your dis- on your up the stills. liquor crates. Yeah. yeah. Which is always a chance that can happen. They come out at certain periods, I think, or certain rounds. And who doesn't love a throwback to the Prohibition era, you know? People that like to drink. Flappers, <laughs> ragtime music, <laughs> What's, Tommy, I, Tommy Guns. I, I remember, like, I had this game. One, one, uh, here, actually, before we move on to the next, to our story Here's tonight. The new one is damn Yes, what I was just going to say. Looking at this box right now. That is my biggest gripe oh, with bootleggers. Poor, poor uh, quality. <laughs> Mayday or whoever published... Well, I guess in this case, I don't want to throw too much blame around different publishers, but whoever published my current version, which it looks like it's Mayday, the box has already fallen apart. This well, is like a newer version of this game. I got this... I, this is the second time I bought this game, and the box is already split here. Is if, it split anywhere else? If any of, if um, any of you out there have the original um, Eagle Griffin... You want to lock in with that? Is it the original version, Eagle Griffin? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, let us know if the uh, box was uh, constructed yes. in a similarly... <laughs> Shoddy uh, fashion? Yeah. yeah you, you can email us at the Puget Sound Working Players at gmail.com, and I, we're, we're really eager to learn if that. If your box is still for holding up after 17 years, then I'd say... Folks uh, at Eagle Griffin were doing something right. That's right. The, um, so, I, so I remember like when, my got, when I bought it the first time, I liked the game, but the box was falling apart, and I remember, Elvis, you really liked the game. Yeah. So then I gave you my old game because the box was was like crappy shape, and I bought my like I bought a new one, and I don't know. You said that I gave you rat droppings or something. What was the deal? No. With so the, my the game, uh, like I mentioned, I don't get to play it that much. Three players. I had a. I live in the woods, as you guys know. I had a rodent problem. As you guys know. <laughs> and uh, one day I was moving some stuff over to my office, and I went to move the game. The box seemed markedly heavy. And I opened it up, and it was filled to the brim with dog food. Like rodents had been ratting away pieces of dog food from my dog's bowl and stashing it in my bootlegger's box. <laughs> and it was just 100% filled to the brim with dog food. It's kind of ironic that it they is. were, uh, the, the, the rats were bootlegging uh, <laughs> dog food gadget kibbles in a bootlegging game. So I got rid of the box and this guy. I guess that makes like a, you the dirty uh, police then. Yeah, yeah you broke it. The, you busted it up. The, you were the hatchet man. You busted <laughs> up their operation. Yeah. So wait, what did you have in little parties in the bootleggers' yeah. box? In the little trucks. What? So what did you end up doing? I threw the box away and I just took all the components out and put them in a, like a plastic thing. I got it online or oh, okay. Something for storing sewing equipment or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And with that, we're going to actually move from the 1920s to the 1880s.
I tell you, Mr. Westwood, no matter who the man is, I tell you he always has a price. I can buy and sell anything or anyone on God's great earth. I can buy anything from anybody. I can sell anything to anybody. I can sell feathers to an engine. I can sell... Uh-huh. Uh, what did you say you did again? Well, I'm a salesman. Well, what do you peddle? Well, various things. Dickets. Dickets. Uh, confidence, right? Pardon? Yeah, that's what you sell. Not sure exactly what you're hey, getting ticket. at. Hey, ticket, man. You're one of them con men. Con. Short for company. Why, sir, no, absolutely not. I sell quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tickets. If you're going to be my seat partner, I prefer to shut your cake hole. Tickets, gentlemen. <laughs> How much? Well, I say you have about twenty dollars in silver here. Twenty dollars? Yes, sir. The market isn't exactly at its zenith, sir. Fine. Do it. Right away. You are now sorted, sir. Twenty dollars to Joseph Conjure. Have a good day. Yeah, yeah. You got roll over, eh? <laughs> What's it to you? <laughs> Nothing but a laugh. <laughs> I just hate to see good people get taken liberties with. You're crocked, aren't you? Un petit po. <laughs> What's that? A <laughs> little <laughs> bit. Well then, give my regards to old granddad. Wait! What's that? A <laughs> treasure <laughs> map. The map slowly. I tell you, Primus, you drive a hard bargain. I prefer the colt to all the skunking around. I hear that, Primus. Here, take it. And nobody else knows about this, right? No, Primus, no one at all. risk of sounding uncouth, Mr. Westwood, I will say you are a dreadful traveling partner. Is that your hard sell? Believe me, Mr. Westwood, you have your price as well as your desire. Every man does. Approaching fair play! Train is getting a tad sparse, isn't it, Mr. Westwood? Must be a lot of passengers getting off here. Except that guy. Who? 
That guy just got on. He got on alone. So? What's that have to do with anything? Mm, stick to the cons. All aboard! This train is continuing on to Leadville with a 615 arrival! Mind if I join you? But you're right. I'm Westwood. Pleased to make your acquaintance. I'm Joe. Pleasure. So you heading to Leadville? That's where the train goes. Your prospector? My sins. Yeah. Well, having a hard time. Why? You offering to shoot someone for me with that pistol? No, just making conversation. It's hard work prospecting. I guess that depends on your definition of hard work. <laughs> I think your friend back there misses you. Nah, he just misses the sale. Sale, huh? What's he sell? Oh, snake oil, barbed wire, flea circus. Hell, bottled water? Who the hell knows what kind of... You must stay away from that old mine. You all stay away. Excuse me, old timer. I think you got the wrong car. No, 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 no. You all are the ones on the wrong train. You are the ones seeking salvation for your soiled souls. Money is not the answer to that. Just, you just relax. You, you spent too much time. No, 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 no. It is you. It's crazy. Excuse me, gentlemen. Is there a problem here? Just seems like this old man's a bit confused. You all have no idea what you're up against. That mine, it's abandoned for a reason. You'll find nothing there but sorrow and woe. Endless torture. Sir, please follow me. Stop bothering these gentlemen. I need to see a ticket. He was talking about a mine. Well, Talk about a seriously disturbed individual. Oh, I don't believe we've met. I see that you've met my traveling partner, Mr. Westwood. Allow me to introduce myself. I represent the Greer Trading Company, and I sell- Let me guess. Confidence? Now, Mr. Westwood, looks like it's just you and me. Yep, I'm gonna be sending you back to Arkansas with nothing but your bowler hat. Give me two. We shall see about that, Mr. Westwood. We shall see. I'm taking three. Mm, you're in trouble. What you got, Westwood? Bob Shop Shooter Sam, and I bet this here treasure map that I can shoot the wings cleanly off any fly in this saloon. There are no flies here! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I beg to differ, for I spot one right on the rim of that frosty glass held by the gentleman in the bowler hat. What do you think? If you don't mind, we'll just about to finish the game. I'll take that bet, Sam.
Does this train seem quiet to you? Well, now that you mention it, it does seem a tad soft in here. What's the matter? I haven't seen anybody since that conductor took that old man away. Well, surely someone has to be operating the locomotive, right? Well, not necessarily. Do you see any passengers at all? No. Maybe we should take a look around. Suits me. Excuse me, do you think that's wise? We should be at our destination shortly. You stay here. Let's go, Joe. You notice anything at all, Joe? No. I don't get it. There's not a soul back there unless you count our salesman, friend. Well, I don't. Not as a soul, at least. There's no one ahead, either. Did you check the locomotive? Not yet. Well, then. What do you mean there's no one on the train? Just what I said. You believe me now? Huh? <laughs> what? Where is that coming from? Don't know. It's obviously that crazy old man, though. It can't be. It, it must... Over your head, swinging dicks, all of you. I'm unarmed! You too, Stretch. I'm not packing. Yes, you are. You the one responsible for this? What? What are you talking about? Talking about the train. Talking about the train. What about the train? You haven't noticed that there's no one on the train? You all are on the train. You know what we mean, friend. I ain't your friend. But yes, apropos, there is something a tad curious about this train. I figured you lot were the ones responsible. Why us? I don't know, only ones here. Not to mention, it's simply more convenient to blame you all. Why is that? Because you all are going to the mine as well. How? Don't bother searching your person. Well, that's a neat trick. You're a thief. Been called worse. Listen, gentlemen, I'm sure your respective trinket maps are very near and dear to your hearts, but we have more pressing matters. He's right. Let's go up front. Up front? We were about to check the locomotive. Sounds like a plan. Lead the way. I don't see anyone there at all. Are you sure you're looking correctly? Would you like to teach me how to look? Maybe you need spectacles. Spectacles? I can sell you some. Find a room, you two. Come on. Sell spectacles? You some kind of salesman? I'm glad you asked. I represent the Gwyr Trading... Now's not the time. Always time for a sale. In fact, during a time of urgency is indisputably the best time for sale. I can sell anything to... No. You can sell anything to anybody. Never heard that one before. Hey! What? what? We're gonna crash right into the mine. That's impossible. None of the tracks here are even in service. Am I going to believe you or my lion eyes? So you do need spectacles! No! He's right. The emergency brake is out there. No time. No, we have to stop the train. We have to stop it. Hold on. Everyone down. No! 
going on? What happened? Where are we? I'm inside some sort of box? A display, actually! Hey, get me out of here! No use. I've been trying to get out of mine for hours. Look. Not a crack. This can't be. What is that? Ah, you have just met my dear friend. He has very particular tastes, don't you? What are you talking about? Well, my dear friend has enlisted my employer, the Greer Trading Company, to complete his collection. What collection? Well, you all, of course. I'm talking about you, Wyatt Westwood the Gambler. You, Joseph D. Conjure, the Prospector. And last but not least, Primus McNulty, the Outlaw. But how? Surely, Primus, you recall. Your Mexican pal you threw bullets at and... Joe, you recall the drunk that sold you the map? And one of my favorites, Sharpshooter Sam! This isn't real. I warned you all about the mine! I told you to leave while you could! The old man, he's, he's here too! Oh yes! Our collector friend needed old prospect Ezra as well! This crazy old kook for his collection too! What's he doing? Why, he's getting ready to play with his toys, of course! I told you all I could sell anything to anyone, even your lives! <laughs> Six Fifteen to Leadville was written by Chris Dowalder and starred Pace Garrett, Elvis Cunningham, and Chris Dowalder. Six Fifteen to Leadville was inspired by Colt Express, designed by Christoph Rambo, and released by Ludunat. Julian Alexander does our artwork. Please visit our website at boardgameplayers.com or email us at thepugetsoundboardgameplayers at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.